It's good to be back with you here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and uh, we really do appreciate your church. We are thankful that God has given us so many churches with such kind people in them, and I'm not saying that lightly. I'm serious. We have a home church full of uh, people that are kind and uh, godly, and then we just got back from a meeting, a missions conference at a church named Bethel Baptist Church in Pekin, Illinois. We had a great time there. In fact, the pastor, he loves tractors, and on our way out of Pekin, he had to stop us by his, uh, the dealership that his son works at for John Deere tractors, and uh, we got to get a picture on the largest tractor that John Deere makes, and as we're going, he's, he had his son, I guess, buy some little tractors for the children, and um, he, he couldn't even give us the tractors without crying. He, that's just the kind of uh, people that God has put across our path, and we're so thankful for churches like that and music like this. We, we don't get to hear this every Sunday like you do, so I trust you don't take it for granted. You continue investing in it, and um, in South Africa, we hope that someday we'll be able to do this as well. We trust that uh, the small seeds we planted now will soon grow, and uh, we're thankful now we have a national that's able to play the piano for the services, and hopefully we'll add a trumpet, trombone, violins, tuba, (laughs) and all those things someday. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. We could look at Matthew, chapter 13, as well, Luke, chapter 8. Today, we're going to be looking, though, at Mark, chapter 4, in the parable of the sower. Today we're going to be looking at the seed, the soil, and the sower. The seed, the soil, and the sower. Let's start just by reading Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had not depth of earth. But... When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word today, we ask that your seed, the word of God, would go down deep into our hearts and that it would germinate 
and grow and bring forth fruit in and through our lives and on into the lives of others. Lord, the need in the world is great today. Help us to realize that we can, through your power and your grace, make a difference in the world today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to look, first of all, at the seed. The seed is the Word of God. Jesus explained this parable to his disciples. Let's look at verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. Isn't that the day and age we live in today? People have rejected the word of God, and to them it's foolishness. And if you don't approach the word of God today, any day, or as a person with the desire to learn, it's going to be foolishness to you, and you won't understand it. Verse 13, he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. Now, for some of you younger people here today, that word sow, it's not talking about when your mom gets out a needle and sows. It's a different type of sowing. It's the type of sowing that I used to do when I was working for my uh, family company growing up planting grass seed. And sometimes if it was a small job, we didn't take a grass seed spreader. We would just take a bag of seed or a bucket of seed, prepare the soil, and we'd take some of the seed out of the bucket by hand, and we would just broadcast spread it by hand. And then we'd take a rake, and we'd rake it in, and then we'd spread some straw on the top so that the sun wouldn't scorch the, the new seedlings and it would retain moisture in the soil. The seed that we planted, that we sowed, was grass seed. The seed that we're talking about today is the Word of God. I want us to see three S's regarding the seed. First of all, the seed saves. The seed saves. Let's look at Mark, same, same book, the same Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. The word of God is the seed that saves. Are you, as a Christian, involved in spreading the seed? The seed, the word of God, is the only thing that saves. Now, number two, the seed sanctifies. I'm sure you're familiar with that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction or instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's why you're here today, I would assume, because you believe that the word of God sanctifies. It's profitable for you. And that's why every Sunday your pastor expounds the word of God verse by verse so that you can know the whole counsel of the word of God by which you can become a mature Christian believer. Everything you need to know about God can be found here in his word because his word sanctifies. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, talks about this idea of the, the word of God sanctifying us. Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, referring to the church, with the washing of water by the word. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is important for us as believers who have already received the word of God every day to keep receiving the word of God, to keep receiving that seed. Number three, regarding the seed, the seed satisfies. Turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Right here in the word of God, you have that which satisfies. Are you satisfying your thirst for God each day? Are you faithful? You know, one sad reality in America, and I've really noticed this in Africa, I hope it's not true about your church, but it, it could be true for some here today, is that most Christians have never read the whole Bible. Now, as Americans, the vast majority of Americans have been taught to read from a young age. Why is that? Well, the primary purpose of reading is so that we can read the Word of God. Are you reading the Word of God? every day. Have you read the whole Bible? I'm sure you heard it before. Three to four chapters a day, it'll get you through the Bible in one year. Don't just do it to, to do it, but do it because it needs to be done. Do it because you need the Word of God. It is the only thing that can satisfy your longing. You know, the seed of God, the seed, the Word of God, is pretty amazing seed if you think about it. Um, it, it prepares the soil. You know, most seed, it's just, you, you got to do separate soil preparation. But this seed, it's, it's I don't like to use the word magic, but it, it's actually just amazing seed. It, it's 
supernatural seed. It prepares the soil. If you want someone to know God, the best way is to share the word of God to them. It prepares the soil. It saturates the soil. It produces the plants. It also beautifies those plants. I can remember back um, on the farm when I was growing up, we had uh, acquired new land to plant on, and that land was part of what we believe was virgin forest that had never been planted in history. It was just used for a pasture uh, there in Wisconsin. And a good plant, I guess, to plant on virgin soil to prepare it for planting is rye. So we planted rye in that field, and it puts, I guess, nitrogen back into the soil and nutrients, and it's, it's a beneficial seed. That's like the Word of God. It's not just the seed that produces fruit. It benefits the soil itself. And when we planted that rye, the rye was so tall, it was taller than the tractor because of the soil that it was growing in. You know, God's word doesn't just benefit the hearer. It benefits God. The hearer is the soil. But God's benefited by his word. He's the seed manufacturer. It also benefits his kingdom. That's the farm. Benefits the farm. It also benefits the farmer. Who is that? That's the soul winner. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. There's people that try to figure it all out and put it all out on paper, talking about election, predestination, the free will of man, and all this, how it all works together. But oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. You can't know exactly how it's going to work, but you can sow the seed in assurance, knowing that it will work in the hearts of men. That's the word of God, the seed. Number two, let's look at the soil. The soil is the hearts of men into which the word of God is sown. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. First of all, we're going to look at the heart of unbelief. The heart of unbelief, it's when Satan comes and snatches the seed. Let's look back at the beginning of the chapter. It says, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and delivered it up. He says in verse 15, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. We know Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's that evil bird, so to speak. Back in South Africa, we started um, vegetable farming to help um, the nationals, specifically the ones in our home, to have a way to start uh, making money and uh, becoming independent, and so we've sown some seeds. You know, when you plant, sometimes the seeds go in the wrong spot, and the birds find them. So you put up a scarecrow so that the birds don't take out all the seeds. But some seeds, they just go on the pathway, and the birds come, they eat up those seeds. 
That's the heart of unbelief. There are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Number two, there's the heart of shallow faith. No depth, no clear understanding. Perhaps they even prayed a prayer to be saved. You ever see the sinner's prayer on the back of a tract? Some people just pray that and they think it did them something magical. But they didn't really comprehend the truth. John chapter 2, verse 23 and 25, talks about this truth. Now when he, that's Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. In, sorry, I missed the last verse. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. In South Africa, we have this problem in a particularly uh, serious uh, way. Because of the poverty in Africa, most of the churches that call themselves Christian would be charismatic Pentecostal. Why? Because they claim to be able to do something special for the people. That's what the Jews there were looking for. And it's said that many believed in his name, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them. John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Turn to John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did regarding the loaves, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain when himself alone. Let's look down at verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. The seed, the heart of shallow faith. Let's look there. Mark chapter 4 again. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Have you seen that before? Oh, I believe it. Wow, that's great. But they just believe it in a logical sense. They understand it's true. And, and they might even believe that it is true, but they've never accepted the application of that truth to their life. And that's these people, people with shallow faith. It says in verse 17, they have no root in themselves and so endure, but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. 
I can think of many professions. I believe people can talk about the prayer they prayed, but they never truly understood and accepted it in their heart. And their lives don't bear any fruit. Why? Because of the heart of shallow faith. Number two, let's look at the heart of polluted truth. Verse 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. They're not willing to forsake all to follow Christ. Remember Jesus saying, count the cost. You have to be willing to forsake yourself, your family. I see this illustrated very well in the African culture in South Africa especially. I know other African countries, it's not quite as strong, but regarding ancestor worship. In many parts of the world, not just Africa, people worship their ancestors. You'll find it even among Native American uh, religion. When someone's dead, they believe in what many people in America would call ghosts, that the departed spirits aren't really departed. They just kind of hover around on the earth somewhere. And so in African culture, when somebody dies, they're not really dead. Someone once said that in Africa, you die twice. You die when your body dies, and then you die again when people stop praying to you. So for an African to reject his ancestors is a true sign of complete obedience to Jesus Christ. Most, African, most South Africans claim to be Christian, 80% of them. Someone once said probably about 95% of South Africans who claim to be Christians still worship their ancestors. That means they don't believe in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior. I don't typically follow the Pope, but... For some reason or another, one time I came across the video of the Pope who was taking questions from his audience. And in the audience was this young boy, maybe about Peter's age, and he was too afraid to ask the Pope his question. So the Pope motioned him, okay, come up here. And this is the current Pope. Come on up here and whisper your question in my ear. So he whispered, and they kind of whispered back and forth for a while. And then the Pope says, okay, this is what this boy said. He said, my father died, and I want to know if he's in heaven. And the Pope said, well, he told me that his father wasn't a believer, but his father had his, all three of their, the children baptized as babies. And he said, well, you know, that must have taken some real courage for an unbeliever to baptize, you know, sprinkle his infants. So would God let such a person go into hell? I don't think so. What do you think, crowd? 
No, of course not. And he said, son, you can be sure that your father is in heaven. And you know, to top it off, you can pray to your father. Talking about his earthly father who is now dead. I realized that ancestor worship is not just this thing in Africa and Asian cultures and Native American cultures. It's prevalent even here in America. People are doing it. But that's just, that's just an illustration. I don't mean to preach against the sins of all the people out there. That's just an illustration of what is required when one turns to Christ. And do you know, once you're saved, you need to continue putting Christ on the throne, allowing him to be your only source of hope and joy and strength and comfort and power in this life. Many Christians forget where it all comes from. It's Jesus Christ. And that's the, the heart of polluted truth. Uh, on, on a farm, this is very well il illustrated. And I've got a, a, a neighbor where I live, and he plants all sorts of vegetables. And he took me to this one spot of ground over at the edge of his field, and he, he showed me, he said, you know, this spot of ground, no matter what I plant here, every year, it doesn't grow. And he's like, I don't know what, what's wrong with the ground there, but that ground is dead ground. It doesn't grow vegetables. It won't grow. They, they'll, they'll pop up. They'll start growing for a little while, but they never produce anything. Polluted ground. How is your heart today, Christian? Is your heart polluted by the cares of this world? Perhaps you're an unbeliever today, and there's something in your heart that, you know, <laughs> you enjoy that too much to, to turn to Christ for salvation from that. You know, Christ, when he saves you, he fills your heart with more joy than you could ever give up. Number four, we see the heart of true repentance. Turn back to Mark chapter 4. It says, verse 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. The heart of true repentance is the one that has heard the truth, obeyed the truth, and brought forth fruit. There's different types of fruit that these, this heart brings forth. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, or Galatians chapter 5, talks about this fruit, Christian, that ought to be in your life. And this is the fruit that the world sees when they see a Christian, and that can make a difference in their lives and want them to accept the gospel themselves. If Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Wow, if the world sees that in Christians, they're going to say, I want what they have. But that's not the only type of fruit that it produces in the life of the believer. It definitely refers in this context to someone that also produces the fruit that reproduces itself, reaching 
souls for Christ. That seed needs to continually be sown. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. What are you doing with the seed that you have in your life? Are you keeping it to yourself? Now, we talked this morning about the challenge to reach a family this year. Now, it's easy to come to the church every, every Sunday, enjoy the beautiful music, and sing from your heart praise to God. We, there's many churches in South Africa today. People come to church every Sunday. They participate. They sing the music. They dress up to go to church. It's not so much anymore. The older generation of Afrikaans people come to church, and then the rest of the week is for themselves. But a Christian, every single day is for Jesus Christ. How much fruit, may I ask, is being brought forth in your life. Because I grew up on a farm, and this regards farming, I keep bringing up illustrations from my life. We had many fruit trees on the farm, and my job was to take care of the fruit trees. We had some trees that every year, no matter what you did, they produced fruit. We had other trees that didn't do so great. And we had this one tree in particular. It wasn't giving fruit anymore. And it reminds me of the story of Jesus. He saw the fig tree, or he told about the fig tree, and, and the, the Lord wanted to cut down the, the fig tree. And his servant said, let me just put manure around it, and then we'll see what we can do after that. So we had this one apple tree, and it wasn't producing fruit. So finally, we had... Our neighbor come who loved apple trees, and he came, and he brought this special spike that you pound down into the ground, and then you pour fertilizer down the hole, and all this work we put into it, the next year, no fruit. So that year, or not long after that, we cut down that tree. What is your life like? You know, God's not going to judge you based on what talent he gave you. He's going to judge you based on how you used that talent for him and what you did with that talent. Some of you students, you're, you're really good at school. You don't even have to study and you can pass your tests. But there's a difference between you and other students. Some students, they have to work hard to pass that test. Do you know who's going to be rewarded more by the Lord if they're doing it for the Lord? It's gonna be that student who had to work hard to pass that test. Some of you, if you would work hard, you, you would not just pass the test, but you'd probably get 100% on every assignment. I know a guy I grew up with. He was older than me, and he could pass every test, wouldn't even have to study, get good grades. I think he did excellent on his ACT test, but then he ended up in jail. Kind of looked like a, a long-haired hippie last I saw him, living with his parents. Because he never developed the natural God-given talents. His heart didn't have that heart of true repentance. Number three, we want to look at the sower. Go back to Mark chapter 4. 
the sower soweth the word. Now, number one, who is the sower? The sower is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Jesus Christ preached the word of God to lost sinners while he was here. Jesus Christ is the one in Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So ultimately, Jesus Christ is the sower. Secondly, the sowers were the early Christians who went everywhere preaching the word. I love it when I read in the book of Acts, it says, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And I think, wow, if we want to be like the book of Acts Christians, we have to do what the book of Acts Christians did. They went everywhere preaching the word. We think of Paul, who planted the gospel all over the Roman Empire. Philip the evangelist took the gospel to the Samaritans, those unloved people took the gospel even to the Ethiopian eunuch. And even today, you, if you study the history of Ethiopia they, and the present day scenario, they have a church called the Ethiopian Coptic Church. Though they have strayed far from the truth. How, how did that get there? It didn't come by American missionaries in the 18th century has been there ever since Philip the Evangelist gave the gospel to, to the Ethiopian eunuch who went to Ethiopia, preached to the Jews in Ethiopia, and a large percentage of them turned to Jesus Christ, forsook their synagogues, and started churches in Ethiopia, which are still there to this day. Or men like Thomas, who took the gospel as far as India. Think of men like William Tyndale, who gave his life to sow the word of God. The sower is the one who is laboring, working for Christ. Are you doing that? Let's follow in their footsteps. Multitudes came to Christ. The multitudes might not come to you today, but your job is still the same. Sow the word. He said, go ye into all the world. There's a little book by the title, Go Ye Means You. Doesn't mean that other guy. Doesn't mean the Roberts family in particular. It means everyone. Go ye means you. Go ye into all of the world. And as I understand that phrase, go ye, it's not just a command. It's like an action. As you're going, make disciples of all nations. You know what it takes to make a disciple? It takes more than a one-hour gospel presentation. That's good. We need to do that. I had a, uh, a professor in Bible college who, he was great at winning souls and giving tracts to everybody. I've known of people, you know, they go to the hospital and they stuff gospel tracts so that when the nurses do stuff, they, they find a gospel tract. That's great. But it's more than that. Make disciples of all nations. Who are you working on right now? There's a man right now that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, he's a long ways away right now. You may have heard of him. His name is Danao. And I've asked prayer for Danao. And Danao, I'm not quite sure if he's saved yet, but I keep witnessing to him, keep encouraging him to give Christ everything 
to surrender to Christ, to let Christ rule his life. And I'm hoping that he will be one of those disciples that I can win. Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. I think the reason why the book of Acts church was so successful, one key reason, it was real to them. It was real. Many of them had witnessed the resurrected Christ, and it was real. It can be just as real to us if we meet with Jesus Christ every day, and he, his life-changing power not only affects our lives, but it affects the lives of those that we are willing to reach. Are you experiencing that life-changing reality in your life today? Let me challenge you if you're not, if you haven't been saved. You could be somebody sitting here for many years. You've never been saved. Your heart is that hard ground, but God is softening your heart. Turn now to him before it's too late. Perhaps you're a young person here today. You're thinking what you're going to do with your life. Let, let, God, let God take care of that. Yes, you should plan. Yes, you should prepare. But let God have the reins of your life today. Maybe you're a father or a mother. You've got children. What are you going to do with those children? As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children. Those youth in your, in your quiver need to be directed into the Lord's work. Whether or not they're a plumber or a missionary, they ought to be a soul winner and a discipler. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the seed of the word of God. What precious, wonderful seed it is. We thank you for the one who prepares the soil, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the sowers that went throughout history, leaving us an example. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the ultimate example that we should follow in his steps. May we do that. May our all be put on the altar, and may you give fruit this year to each one in this building. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.